This is Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, we tried to tell you way back when the pandemic started, sports could change on the other side of it. And for about the fourth or fifth time, I feel like uh, here we are again at a crossroads in some sport where we will see change on the other side. Problem is, we don't know what the other side is, when the other side is, and what exactly it will look like. But it's happening right in front of our own eyes. Uh, historic uh, pandemic, um, historic movement in 2020, and this will be an historic year in sports, not only because it was shut down for so long and not only uh, the restart and the bubbles and, and everything else that could still transpire, but because they're going to change and sports are going to change in some respects. And we're looking at it right now in NCAA and college football, specifically a big story out of the weekend and a big story we're watching all day. The ebbs and I feel like we're watching a live sporting event on social media that doesn't have referees, whistles, a game clock or a scoreboard. I mean, we are just kind of what waiting and waiting until that national college football guy tweets something that is like, boom. And uh, when is it going to come? It kind of has the feel right now in college football only like we did back at the Players' Championship in March where we kind of knew we were headed for something drastic mm-hmm. and sports was about to shut down, whatever that was, March 11th, 12th, somewhere in that frame. And I kind of feel like we're there again. Remember, if we take you back, the players were there, were out there. The tournament was about ready to get going. Had started actually with round one. But the night prior, the NBA uh, had had a positive test and they stopped and, and paused. And, and you know, the domino started to fall from there. And here we are months and months later. But it feels like that a little bit. What shoe will drop on college football? Uh, that's a big storyline today. Brent Martino, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Monday. Hope you're doing well. It is hot, hot, hot. It's August in Florida. You got to expect it. It's going to be a hot week around here. Drink water, folks. Put the sunscreen on because uh feel like temperatures 106, 107 by the middle of the week. Yeah, that's pretty hot. Uh So... Make sure you uh, uh, stay healthy in that respect uh, as well. PGA Championship, it was a lot of fun to watch a big-time sporting event and see some of the drama unfold. I know not everybody's a golf fan, but it kind of felt real and normal um, because it had so much on the line yesterday in sports, and uh, there was a lot of talent, and there were some big-time shots being made by Colin Morikawa. We'll talk a little bit about it. I have this strange comparison, and this is going to sound wacky and weird. But I'm going to compare some of the stars of golf to quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> you just have to hang around and find out how. Because I know Austin Lane right now is I'm like, this, I have no I'm idea. This was how my homework for today. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't get ready for this one. Heck no. Uh, so uh, we'll, we will talk a little bit about that. Uh, maybe a, a word or two on Tiger Woods. I don't think it was as lost a weekend as a lot of other people uh, thought it was. And... We got home runs bouncing off people's gloves and over the fence. We got guys that can't catch and 
Yelich running around the bases. Mm. Uh, is there anything more tiring for a baseball guy than an inside the park home run, by the way? Uh, baseball is wacky. Uh, we got a little brawl. I'm sure we'll see some suspensions out of that one. The Astros are in the middle of everything, and they didn't even get hit. They were the one beating everybody else this weekend against the Oakland A's. The A's are on fire uh, right now. And, of course, the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette set to talk uh, this afternoon in about an hour or so. We'll see what he has to say about the upcoming season. Doug Marone talked this morning. Jags are thin, really thin on the defensive line right now. And that's uh, something to keep your eye on because of some of the moves they've made and some of the injuries and uh, lists that guys are on but uh, and opt-outs, quite frankly. So uh, they are thin uh, on a position where they put a lot of work in, it seemed like, in the offseason to try to get a little bit more depth and fix against the run defense. So uh, all that uh, here on a Monday. How's your weekend, man? It's good, man. Real solid. Watched some, uh, I watched a little golf, watched some UFC fights. Um, actually turned out to be a really nice weekend. Thought it was going to rain the whole weekend, so went to the beach a little bit, went to the pool. So overall, real solid weekend. And then, obviously, I woke up today wondering, are we going to have college football this year? And that's kind of uh, where my head's at right now. And, obviously, when we have such a big question like that, it's not so much, are we going to have college football? It's, whose fault is this right now? Because that's what we do in the sports media. (laughs) Yes, whose fault? (laughs) Whose fault? uh, What side are you on? Mm. Uh, How did uh, sports media people cancel the college football season, potentially? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we got you got to love social media, man. You got to love this time where you either pick a side or or don't. Uh, being in the middle and listening to everybody just doesn't make any sense. Why do it? Uh, why listen to everybody? Oh yeah, that guy can be right, and that side can be right a little. Bit. Oh, somehow we can meet in the middle. Imagine sure. that—that that you could somehow meet in the middle. That would be something. Uh, how about the the college football stuff? How much did it take you off guard? The MAC canceling, it was like, okay, the MAC canceled. You know, UConn, they did their thing. There's going to be a lot of conferences that say, no, we're not going to give it a go. Ivy League canceled. Yeah, the group of five, we don't know what. We've talked about spring football. Then all of a sudden, it was like, wait a minute, the MAC canceled, and now you're going to tell me from the MAC went the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. So, listen, once again. It is my job in sports radio to point out whose fault this is because that's what I do. I I blame people. I just can't say, eh, well, it's kind of a, a collection of things. No, I mean, someone's got to take the blame here. Someone's got to take the L. So let's go ahead and break this down real quick. Ivy League drops out. Okay. Mac drops out. You could say from those two conferences dropping out, well, maybe money was a factor. The testing was a factor. How much are those football programs really bringing in for universities? Not even close to the same amount as an SEC school, a Big Ten school, um, you know, a, a Big 12 school. So with that being said, okay, I can see that. Last week, the Big Ten announces the schedule. You know, and I sat here and celebrated. Wisconsin's got a pretty easy road to the Big Ten championship. Really, that only hard game um, is going to be Michigan. Cool. Sounds great. Can't wait. Couple weeks, uh, I'm sorry, a couple days later now, it's Monday, August 10th, 2020. We start hearing now that the Big Ten is going to back out, back out, and obviously the Pac-12 is with them in doing so. Now, they haven't made anything official yet, but I think it's pretty much clear. Um, well, it's reported. I mean, it's, it's reported, right? And a lot of people Nothing's are reporting clear. this. Nothing's completely <laughs> clear, but I think we can all assume right now that this is the plan going forward. So then what transpired after that? Well, now you have schools like Nebraska saying, well, then we'll go play someplace else. And we have Ryan Day from Ohio State saying, this isn't done yet. We're fighting for our, our, our players here. And when the Big Ten announced 
supposedly they're, they're going to back out here and cancel the season. What happened? You saw a mirage, you you saw an avalanche of tweets of of college football players standing together. First it was Stan United, and now it's I want to play. You know, and, and you even had the head honcho and Trevor Lawrence. You know, the, the the captain, if you will, probably the biggest name this year in the college football class. He even came out and said something so much that Donald Trump even retweeted it today and commented on. It, right, like Trevor Lawrence is that dude right now. So you have Trevor Lawrence come out and say, and now we're all on the same page. College football players want to play, want to play, and we're like, well, let them play, let them play, and it's just it's back and forth right now. And of course, in doing so, it becomes political. But it begs the question. What happened with the Big Ten from the moment you released the schedule up until now a few few days later where all of a sudden it's like, you know what, we're going to cancel the season? I don't have an answer for that. All I can assume right now is that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are worried about the worst-case scenario. And in my eyes, the worst-case scenario would be a player or a coach coming down with COVID-19 and dying. That would be their liability. That would be their responsibility. And imagine if that happened, heaven forbid, knock on wood, do whatever you want to do. The optics would be the worst thing you could ever imagine for college football. And now I understand, yes, players have died in the past due to training-related issues, heart-related issues, things like that. But I'm just saying if you had the chance to stop it with COVID-19, not have a season and a player died, well, then you have an issue. But here's what I can't wrap my head around here with the Big Ten. The Big Ten right now is trying to be like the NBA, and they're trying to be at the forefront saying, check us out. You know, like, we're, we're leading the way. Everyone talks about everyone talks about the SEC all the time in college football. Look what we're doing right now. So you made a precedent to go in and do this and try to lead the way, but in doing so, you broke the one golden rule that I've said since COVID-19 first hit. Whether it was with the NFL or the college athletics, I said one thing. You have to have communication, and you have to make sure everyone's on the same page. You didn't let the athletes know. You had a bunch of presidents in the ivory tower say, you know what? I think right now this is way too dangerous. I don't want any blood on my hands, so let's go ahead and cancel the season. And you didn't even confide in the coaches or in the athletes and get their opinion about it. And when you didn't do that and you announced that there's not going to be a Big Ten season or a Pac-12 season, what did the athletes do? They rebelled and said, no, 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 no. We still want to play. You didn't talk to us about this. You're going to pull the rug underneath our feet right now? So in my opinion right now, this falls on the presidents. This falls on the deans. Who's ever running the universities right now, who's probably never played a game of football in their life, are trying to run the show right now with all their money and say, you know what? Yeah, football brings in a lot of money, but we don't want this on our hands. But the issue that I have with it is that you did not ask the players, you didn't confide in the players, you made it your own rule, you made it your own thing to try to get ahead of everything, and now you have the rebellion from the coaches and the players, and you have teams trying to leave the conference, and it's a giant mess right now because you didn't communicate. Yeah, it's a giant mess, uh, and where does it land is really interesting. There are so many tentacles to this one topic. Uh, Austin just talked a lot about them. Uh, by the way, breaking news for the Florida Gators, get a big uh, safety commit, Corey. Collier, four-star guy, so they're a secondary. They've been recruiting really well uh, this week, had a good week, and also uh, that secondary is still looking good for the Florida Gators moving forward. Uh, he's out of Miami, by the way, so you get a kid out of Miami, usually a good sign, a four-star guy uh, for the Florida Gators. Just made that announcement a short time ago. Here's uh, There are so many prongs to this. As you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, I'll say this, I'll say this, I'll say this. There's too much going on in my own mind. 
Uh, how much should the players have a say in any of this? How much should the college coaches have a say in all of this? Because in the last hour, the, and led by Jim Harbaugh, by the way, and now Scott Frost in Nebraska just held a press conference basically saying we're going to play football one way or another as we want to play. But, you know, last week we talked Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh at odds. Well, now they're linked together. Ryan Day comes out right after Harbaugh comes out. Soon enough, it will be Saban and Dabo and the rest of uh, college football. So uh, some of the the athletic directors at Alabama, uh, Sankey, the commissioner at S- of the SEC, the football people are coming out saying, we support you, we want to play. The presidents are basically saying, we're not sure if it's the right thing. Now, there needs to be a voice of reason somewhere along the way. The voice of reason isn't necessarily the coaches that make seven or eight million dollars or the players that are 20 years old and want to play football because that's what they do and they don't want to sit around and they put a lot of work in. I mean, you got to remember that. I mean, the voice, the presidents or other folks are there to be the voice of reason and take the information and utilize it in the right way. To your point, much like so much that has gone on uh, with the NCAA, it just seems disjointed. There's no unity at all all in college football and really in college sports, partly because the NCAA, partly because of the, I think, the egocentric nature of the conferences. Uh, We are the SEC. We're the big ten. You know, we're going to do it first. We're going to be the leader of this or, you know, we're going to still play whatever. Nobody can get on the same page. And it seems like that even within the own universities, because how do the athletic directors in the conferences all come out last week and say, hey, here's the schedules. We figured this out. Notre Dame's joining the ACC. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to be a part of it. They're going to split money. Uh, Here's what the schedule looks like. The SEC adds two more in-conference games uh, for all of their teams last week and days later like hours later the presidents are like whoa 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 and nope nope uh northern illinois didn't want to play the max not playing and we kind of believe what they believe mm-hmm. how in two three days do we see such uh, a difference instead of unity it's disjointed communication uh that is fascinating to me and it makes me question the leadership it makes me question whatever decisions are made whatever you agree with uh, I think it's it's a fascinating part of it. I think there could be this crossed my mind. This is going to sound dramatic. Trevor Lawrence right now to me is the star of this. And by the way, I say that and I said this last night on social media. I don't say that because I think, hey, he's absolutely right. We are we, they should play and, and they should just ignore everything else. And this is the best course of action. I did not say that. I think it's tremendous leadership on his part. To spark change for a kid that really has nothing to gain by playing, (laughs) has nothing to gain by doing any of this. I mean, it is unbelievable leadership by Trevor Lawrence. And I thought about it in the last hour or so. We could talk about Trevor Lawrence someday as maybe the biggest factor in college sports or at least college football in the history of the game. He could change the game. It would be him that spearheaded. Yeah, sure, Justin Fields and others too. But I think it was the Trevor Lawrence voice, the guy that you know is the surefire number one guy. Has nothing. He could sit out until April. 
that at least gets the conversation rolling. And by the way, I applaud the players for using their platform. That's what I was trying to do last night on social media, if you were following along. I did not say I agree with every single thing. Uh, there's a lot of information out there that we would still have to know, I think, to, to figure that out. Um, I'm a, a kind of in the middle guy. <laughs> I'm in a minority. I'm in the middle guy where I like to listen to both sides, and some things make sense from the scientists to, to the players to everything in between. I just applaud the fact that the players are using this as a platform uh, to what they want to do, what they think they, they are doing is right, and also to kind of change the setup of the NCAA in college football. There's so much to talk about. We'll get into it more, plus an update on the Jacksonville Jaguars who are on the pra- – they'll be on the practice field this week. We'll be out there as well as we inch closer to an NFL season. That does not look in peril yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like they are moving on. Uh, no major snafus yet in the NFL uh, to speak of, at least that we know of. But who thought on August 10th we would be talking about the college football season maybe not even happening days after the college football schedules were essentially released? Not all the schedules are. The SEC schedule still hasn't been released. But a lot of information has been decided upon uh, leading up to the latest news the last few days. Let's begin there. College football. We'll get into some of it. We won't talk all of it for the first hour and a half of the show. But we'll pop back in on the college football front because I think there's so many different angles uh, to get to here today. And quite frankly, it's the biggest news story we've had in six months. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it impacts a lot. It impacts a lot, including the NFL. Mm -hmm. It impacts the NFL calendar. What about the spring? Why is the spring such a bad idea? I'm not against it. Mm. We'll talk about it. It's coming up on ESPN 690. I mean, there'd be a small group of players that would be unaffected college football-wise, that these guys are going to be top five locks or top ten locks no matter what. And then there's going to be a great amount of players who a lot of the NFL organizations don't know a ton about, and they might be guys that we, we saw we saw them as fringe draft guys that, all right, are they draftable players now? Or we saw them as maybe a third or fourth round pick. Do, do we like them still there? Are they really a fifth round pick? Or maybe, maybe we like them more because we didn't get to see more of their flaws. And so it would totally radically change the way that the NFL approached their offseason. Well, absolutely. Dan Orlovsky from ESPN. I mean, there is radical change potentially going on in college football for the NCAA, for the Power Five, for all these institutions and programs around the country. Quite honestly, quite frankly, I think the NFL, that part doesn't matter right now. Uh, I mean, I don't I mean, it's part of it. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall. And I wouldn't put the NFL and the draft and scouting players near the top of the list. If I'm a college football guy, if I'm a president, if I'm an AD or a coach, there's a lot more to figure out before you get to, okay, well, what about the NFL calendar? Like, how (laughs) do we get these guys into the NFL? Yeah, that's part of it. It's part of it, no doubt. Uh, And that speaks a little bit to the spring stuff, which we'll get into a little later on. But I think it does feed to the NFL calendar, possibly into the NFL season for some, possibly into opt-outs for many Mm -hmm. uh, that that would consider a pro career. I just don't think it's on the forefront. I understand the conversation. We'll get into that part, but I don't think it's on the forefront. We're going to talk a little college football uh, more because it's listen, it's a huge story. It's a massive story that we continue to follow, and we have to keep a close eye because it's going to continue to move all afternoon long into the evening, I believe, uh, and many believe. 
before we get to that, though, uh, listen, we talk a ton of Jags. We want to keep you up to date on the Jags stuff. This is a big information piece going on right now. Tom Pelissero reporting that Yannick Ngakwe and his agent have parted ways. Now, I got to tell you, I've heard this. Uh, I heard this weeks ago. Maybe I can't remember the time frame. So let's just say it's even within the last six weeks mm-hmm. that I heard. I, I think I might have mentioned to you that they had parted ways. And then I checked on some fronts and now nah, that wasn't true. So I think there was some talk about parting ways, and then they were still together trying to hammer out a deal, trying to hammer out a trade, trying to hammer out an exit Mm -hmm. from Jacksonville. And, well, now Tom Pellicero says uh, that is the case. Um, We're going to confirm it a little bit more, but obviously Pellicero well-respected. And what he says is, and you know this probably better, but once you you, uh, uh, terminate a relationship with an agent, you have – to wait like five days before you can get another agent, mm-hmm. I guess. I, yeah. I didn't even realize that. But uh, so that's what Jan will do. I guess the big story here is, does this change anything? What does this mean mm-hmm. for Yannick Ngakwe? Because it could mean a bunch of things. And how what it could mean relative to the Jacksonville Jaguars could also mean a bunch of things. What does it say to you? Yeah, well, listen, maybe one day we're going to know just how much influence – and how much say, you know, Yannick Ngakwe's former agent had overall of how this whole situation played out. And what I mean by that is obviously, you know, sitting out of the spring a little bit and before the training camp, how much of it was going after Tony Khan, how much of it was not signing that franchise tag right off the bat. We don't really know who was kind of, you know, calling the shots here. Was it Yannick Ngakwe? Wasn't his agent. Regardless of that, though, the fact of the matter remains. Yannick Ngakwe, since week 15, week 16 of last NFL season, wanted to get out of Jacksonville. That's been his number one priority, his number one goal. And unfortunately, hasn't transpired that way for him. Okay? Now, a lot of things played out after that. I get that. But long story short, Yannick Ngakwe still in Jacksonville. So he didn't get what he wanted. If you don't get what you want, sometimes you got to change the in-house stuff. His agent, obviously, I mean, is responsible at the end of the day. Now, there's only so much an agent can do. Don't get me wrong. But the agent's responsibility is if your client's not happy and he wants to be traded, you try to get him traded, number one. Or if you want a big deal, you get your client a big deal. He didn't get. He didn't have an opportunity to get the big deal when it happened. Okay. Didn't have an opportunity to get traded. Okay. So, Yannick Ngakwe thought it was best to, I guess, cut those ties. Jan's agent is Ari Nissim, uh, who's been in the game, uh, used to work in the front office of the Jets, and, and has had many players, uh, most recently even had Leonard Fournette as well, and then he changed agents. Uh, and uh, listen, uh, if you don't get the deals done, I mean, you're probably going to, sooner or later, players get unhappy or you didn't get what you want, so you didn't do kind of your job, essentially, uh, even though there's a lot of work put in. I've had numerous discussions with Ari over these last this last year uh, really about the situation in Jacksonville uh, with Yannick Ngakwe, and, and there's no doubt he was trying like heck uh, to get Jan what he wanted, uh, whether it was via trade, uh, whether it was a big contract, or whether it was out of Jacksonville, no doubt. So uh, it just didn't materialize. Now, we've debated this topic very often, and I think what we got to eventually, if you go back to the Tony Khan and Jan situation on social media, I remember saying then, it does not matter what you viewed it as or what you tried. The bottom line is, and this isn't a personal attack on anybody, this is just the way it is because now I can see it in hindsight. What you tried to do didn't work. Mm -hmm. 
and I think it's been crystal clear what the Jan camp tried to do. How much influence was his agent or How much influence was Jan trying to push those buttons? We don't know. But what they tried to do for the last year has not, did not work. And it's led us to this situation where now a very talented football player is in a spot where he's vocally said he doesn't want to play in the city, play for the team, wants out, can't find a way out, and is sitting on $17.8 million and stuck between should I sign it or stick with the principal nature of things mm. and, and sit out. And so he's in a really tough spot right here. Uh, whether the Jags are in equally a tough spot, it's debatable because the value has seemingly gone down in trade compensation. They would have to, even if he plays in Jacksonville, play with an unhappy player, most likely. And then they lose a lot of leverage once the trade deadline comes around, in my opinion, on the on front. So those are just the facts out there. I mean, there's no opinion in that. That's just kind of the way it's played out. And so what? I, what's really curious here is do we find out who was pushing more of the buttons? Who was trying to make more of the moves based on what Jan does next? Okay, he goes and hires a new agent. That's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, new agent automatically, I mean, this isn't Jerry Maguire here now. Mm-hmm. I mean, not going to sit there and say, oh, we found the trade deal. All of a sudden, teams want to give you a first-round pick and a second-round pick, and they just didn't want to give it to that. Well, that's not how it works. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing's going to change in that regard. The Jags are still stuck in the stand, stand on this thing. But does it repair any communications? That were had had just gone sour over the last year. And by the way, that I I told you ever since last September that had gone sour. Talks had stopped on numerous occasions. There wasn't even communication going on uh, by both sides on this front. So does it repair a little bit of that or could you see a situation where Jan's basically like, you know what? Listen, we tried all these things. It didn't work. I feel like I should go play at 17. I, I should at least get that. And I'm going to come do it, and we have a disagreement on that. Maybe maybe the agent says, hey, I think you should stick firm on this. You said you're not going to play, don't play, mm-hmm. and and just hold out, you know. Uh, or and, well, and, and Jan's basically like, no, 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 I, I'm, I want to go in. Is that the disagreement? Where does the kind of the, the – where did the road get crossed up between him and his agent relationship-wise? We just don't know. No, we don't know at all. But I will say this, though. Any agent that he gets now, I have a hard time believing that the agent's going to say, you know what, let's just sit out this year because I don't like making money if you're the agent, right? Because keep in mind, every single dollar that Yannick Ngakwe makes, the agent will make a percentage of that. So you better believe whoever Yannick Ngakwe goes with – that agent more than likely, I think, if he's a good agent, is going to be pushing for that franchise take. Now, in the long run, is that going to hurt Yannick Ngakwe and his overall you know, appeal if he chooses to kind of go against his word a little bit and sign that franchise take to other teams? I don't think so. But once again, it comes down to the question of pride, and it comes down to the question of what Yannick Ngakwe believes in. And you know where I stand on that. We don't have to get back into that again. So I think regardless of who he signs with, I think regardless of no matter what that agent says, I think Yannick Ngakwe has kind of entrenched himself in the philosophy that, listen, man, until I get what I want, I'm not going to get on that field, and I don't care about the money right now. With that being said, though, let's say, for instance, that he goes with, like, a Drew Rosenhaus. Okay, Drew Rosenhaus, obviously, is the guy that you want when you're signing that second contract. You know, and a lot of my friends and, um, you know, former teammates, obviously, you know, actually went with Drew Rosenhaus for their second contract. I know a couple guys, and and then I know how Drew Rosenhaus operates. And regardless of what I think of him as a person, I know this about Drew Rosenhaus. 
he's done a lot of deals and he knows the ins and outs of the NFL. He he knows every situation and he has a plan for that. So if you have Drew Rosenhaus come to you if you're Yannick Ngakwe, and Drew Rosenhaus says, "Listen, man, this is not my first rodeo here. I have this many clients. I, I I've done this many deals, and I'm telling you right now, the market for you, it's not where it's not where we want it to be. Not your fault, not my fault, just the way it is. So you're better off signing right now. Like that conversation, regardless if it's Drew Rosenhaus or another experienced agent, that dialogue is probably going to happen. What it falls on now is if Yannick Ngakwe trusts that dialogue and he believes in his new agent who he just hired and is going to pay now, it all comes down to if he believes him or not. Yeah, it's really well said, and, and I think that's an important part of it. It's a great, great thought about the discussion. Keep in mind, Rosenhaus, from that standpoint, uh, who feels like he's actually lost his luster a little bit as as kind of the top agent in the game. And, and I don't, I mean, he's not who he used to be in terms yeah. of well, that guy, but, but he did just do the Antonio Brown deals to Oakland yeah. and to the Patriots before they parted ways. See, here's the thing, though, with, um, with your Rosenhaus. I think he's still one of the top guys, obviously. It's just the fact that the guys that he has under him, not like, you know, that, like his players, they're not so much outspoken as they used to be. I got you. Because he used to have a lot of outspoken yeah, players that, you know, Drew got me paid, Drew got me paid. Yeah, well, and keep in mind, we're just throwing out a name right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he I mean, didn't say be, he's going to go with Drew Rose. No, Rose's no house, I'm just saying there's tons of agents out there with a lot of know experience. that agent, a, agent name. Here's the thing for me, man. Here's the way I'm thinking of it. And you might be right. Say maybe, uh, maybe Jan is still, hey. He was driving this thing. He's mm-hmm. stuck in it from a could easily be that way. I feel like whenever he, he's not going to come out, I don't think there's an announcement, uh, but I think we'll learn eventually who his new agent is in the next week or so. And once that happens, whenever the next bit of dialogue is out there mm-hmm. with Jan, he's got two choices. He can firmly entrench himself in that sand mm-hmm. and in the stance that he's been in along with his his representation over the last year or this is his one opportunity to be like listen i wasn't getting the greatest advice i didn't uh, always agree with the advice but i was following along with it and whether it's true or not that's where you can kind of blame the agent a little bit and say all right listen i'm gonna i think the right thing to do is come in here and 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 sign this and we'll see what happens from here i still want out all those things but it kind of gives jan a little bit of an out from some of the things that he said he mm-hmm. gets like one opportunity that's the way i look at it he can either say hey me and, and me and this new guy or gal we're we're still stuck in the same uh trenches yeah or yeah, we didn't see eye to eye on this. I think this is the right way to go. I'm going to go play football, and I think it's the best thing to do right now for me and for my future. I'm going to go bust my butt, kind of like what he said last year, mm-hmm. and, and turn this into a big deal. Uh, those were his two two ways to look at it. That will be very interesting how he plays this mm. uh, in the early stages of this new relationship with an agent. And, and a lot of that could stem from what you just said. Yeah. The agent coming in and saying, hey, listen, I'm watching this thing from afar, and you have to do this. Like, I have to tell you to sign. Not for me to make my money, because it's the right thing to do. You have to sign. Yeah. You can't pass up $17.8 million, young man. Listen, and we don't know how the, you know, the, the dialogue with his now old agent went okay we, we have no idea but w- once again i'm just assuming right now that the dialogue had to be sign that franchise day you know go and get your money and then l- let me take care of it from there right because once again like 
there's this big misconception when you're in the NFL, right, where you get an agent and let's be honest, and, and, and like NFL players, they have egos and they, they want to hear yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. You you hire yes men, okay? That's who you surround yourself with. That's the whole point, okay? But at the same time, keep in mind, if you're an NFL player, you want a businessman first and a friend second when it comes to an agent. Okay, there's only so much friendship that you can get by with and having an agent. The agent's job is to try to make as much money for you as possible. Number one, it's not to I'm going to have your back through this. I mean, yeah, that's important too, so and so. But guess what? The agent's primary job is to try to get you as much money as possible. Okay, so once again, I don't know how that went down with his old agent, Ari. All I know is that I'm sure Ari wanted to get paid like any agent wants to get paid. If you're an agent right now, you're in the NFL, and you're trying to be a friend over a businessman, you're not going to last that long, okay? I'm telling you right now. I'm, I'm not I'm not a business major. I'm just saying I've talked to a lot of agents, a lot of players. I know how it works. So when we fast forward now, Brent, and we talk about the, the new agent coming in, whether, you know, whoever it may be, him or her, I'm just saying the conversation's going to be the same. Get your money right now and let me take care of it later. Doesn't matter who you hire. That's the that's agency one oh one. Get your money. Doug says probably makes it worse that he's changing agent. Chance says changing agents doesn't mean he wants to stay, but I also think the chances of him playing increase depending on who he hires. BC says any legit agent will tell Jan that his only remaining option is sign the tag, be a model citizen and teammate, and have a career year. Too late for anything else if Jan wants to continue his NFL career and get paid. That's a little drastic. Strokey says that's what I'm thinking makes his stock drop and still won't play for the Jags. Uh, Let's see, anything else? Uh, he's probably blaming him for not being moved yet. And lastly, Holly Winters, I wonder if he's seeing the declining salary for his position due to COVID-19 is rethinking whether he wants to hold out for more than the franchise tag salary. I don't necessarily agree with that. The last two guys that just signed mega deals are Garrett and Bosa, and they were record-breaking deals. So the dollars are still there at the pass-rushing position. We'll talk more about the Yannick Ngakwe situation, more about the Jags and the latest on college football and how Trevor Lawrence... It's not only the face on the field, but also the face off it. It's coming up next on ESPN 6-9. Really getting down to 80 was a, a huge transition, more so operationally from, you know, standpoint of, of moving people around. Uh, I think that, you know, the equipment room, the trainers, the weight room, the nutritionists from where we're eating, um, there's a lot of moving parts to this thing to make sure that everyone stays safe. And, you know, we're at a point now where really it's the first time uh, where we've been together to 80. Um, so we kind of went uh, more towards the interactive meetings now, you know, where we're practicing uh, the physical distance. Well, they're trying to explain what's going on. That's Doug Marone earlier today. And you know, I still don't understand. Uh, the, I never really got a clear answer on this. From 80 to 90 players, why so much was different? It, it was fa- like it's not like it was 60 to 90 players. Yeah, it was 80 to 90 players, and and there were like a different set of rules. To me, that was wild mm-hmm. uh, that 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 existed. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the the Jags and the NFL, of course. Jags have some depth problems now, all of a sudden, on that offensive line. But let's start here because there's so many dang questions. Let's just start with with and not bury the lead, man. Will we have a college football season? I did a poll question yesterday, and as this is all floating around, I think it ended up being like 62% or 4% say no. Mm. Uh, yeah, about 400 votes or something on it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. But it was interesting to hear that. I still believe we're going to have a football season to some degree in college. I do. Uh, I don't know. 
I have not given. I have not. I shouldn't say given up on that because we don't. We don't. But it's not like I'm. I'm. I've got pom poms over here, making sure it happens. I just think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Now I don't know if the Big Ten and Pac-12 are going to be involved. I, I don't know what it looks like. I just think we're going to have football, college football games. I can't tell you what it's going to look like, but I think we're going to have college football games in the fall. What do you think? Well, first of all, I just. It's so crazy right now that you have the Big Ten and the Pac-12 supposedly shutting down. And then you have the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC still going and probably planning going forward. Like, to me, is there any bigger of a model of the microchasm right now that's happening in the United States of America than having two conferences saying you shouldn't play and then having three conferences? And more specifically, three conferences in the South that are saying, well, we should play? Like, welcome to America 2020 right now, man. Like, this is literally, we talk about, you know, the the mirror all the time. Sports holds up the mirror. Well, this is the mirror right now of our society, and and this is where we're at. What do I think is going to happen? I'll be honest with you. Do I think that the Big Ten's serious, and do I think the Pac-12 serious? You better believe it. And I don't think they're going to have a season this year, because, once again, they haven't officially announced it yet. But all this stuff coming out, the Big Ten coaches trying to go other places right now and play, like... That news is coming. Yeah. And the last thing the Big Ten's going to do, and once again, regardless of how you feel about the decision, but the last thing the Big Ten's going to do now is like, whoa, 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 wait. I was expecting this kind of out, out, you know, like of just this out blast or whatever. I was expecting this kind of just, you know, hate on social media. I was expecting all the players to rally around the whole situation and saying, you know, let us play. We weren't expecting that. Guys, guys, we're still going to play. Like, we, we, sorry, no. That's not how it works, man. I think the Big Ten has made their decision as long as the Pac-12 has as well. So they're they're out. All right, so we'll see you later. Sorry. Okay. So the other three conferences. Brent, I'm going to be honest, man. It's hard for me to foresee the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 to play this season because if if this truly goes down and you have three conferences in and two out, well, number one, you talk about a competitive advantage now for recruiting. Like, this this is going to change the landscape of college football forever if this goes through, like it's supposed to. So I just think with that being said, where I can't imagine in a world and I can't fathom a college football season with three conferences playing, you know, three of the big five playing and two sitting out, I just can't foresee that happening. I don't think there's going to be a college football season. Wow. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, to your point, by the way, let's go back to the Big Ten real quick. You know, Scott Frost in Nebraska just had a press conference. Basically, like, we are playing football somewhere. This is essentially I know, what they said. Ryan Day, Ohio State head coach. Jim Harbaugh, who led this, really, uh, from a coaching standpoint, said, we are playing we think what well, we think we can play. Don't listen to them. We're going to keep it alive. We're fighting to play. They are going against their college presidents right now, at least according to the reports, because it's the presidents that are looking to shut this down. Uh, so that's the Big Ten. The Pac-12, the latest news out of the Pac-12 is I guess the, all the, the big wigs are going to get together tomorrow mm-hmm. and talk about it and discuss. I don't know if there are any votes going on, but uh, at least a discussion according to some of the reports. Big Ten already had some discussions today. Again, I think they're going to play in some way, shape, or form. I think if they do play, it could change the landscape forever of college football because it could mean a yanking away of the NCAA. It could be a uh, this unique kind of battle on campuses with an administration. 
uh, from president side to athletic side. And by the way, if you're the president's now, don't turn your nose up at all those dollars. You know, the athletic department's got some leverage here mm-hmm. in the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, in the Big 12, you know, in the ACC. That's big time money coming into your university. Uh, so don't lose sleep. I know it's like, oh, those are the presidents versus college. No, no, no. Long have I said the most powerful person on a college campus in the Power Five is that head football coach. Nick Saban is way more powerful, in my opinion, than that president at Alabama, with all due respect, in Tuscaloosa. And we're going to find out a little bit in the Big Ten, are we? Ryan Day, who might not carry as much weight as, say, if an Urban Meyer had come out and was still at Ohio State, but Jim Harbaugh, how much weight does he carry at Michigan? Where is that power structure? Because if Harbaugh comes out, the players have come out, and they end up playing in the Big Ten. Sure looks like the edge went to the to the head football coaches on the university. The power structure oh. starts with them, not with the college presidents. Well, and I, and I guess I should preface this, this, saying this. I think there will be a college football season if the Big Ten somehow plays again and the Pac-12 plays. If all the conferences agree, then I think there will be a season. If there's discrepancies, if there's conferences sitting out, then I don't think there's going to be a season. Because keep in mind, let's set it out that the Big Ten's out. See you later. Okay. And Scott Frost obviously is doing his hardest to try to play. And Ryan Day is trying his hardest, and so is Harwell. That's great. You don't mean to tell me that the players at Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan State are going to try to transfer out? Why wouldn't you? Why, 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 why would you want to stay behind while your peers of other teams in the conference are playing college football and you're stuck watching from the sidelines? Why would anybody sign up for that? So, like, that's my point as well. You want to talk about a competitive advantage right now. If some of these schools in the Big Ten choose to forego football for this fall, you're going to have a bunch of players trying to jump in that protocol. Now, uh, to, uh, jump in the portal. Now, whether the NCAA, you know, says, no, you can't do that, that remains to be seen. But for all the excuses that players can have to jump in, you know, the, 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 the whole pool here and go to a new school and transfer, well, man. The portal is going to be wide as that. It's going to be as big as ever now. So, like, that's another problem you have to think of. Like, to me, like, once again, I don't know what the communication aspect was of this whole thing, Brent, but I just feel there is so many questions right now. There is so many things I don't think they've even thought about going forward. Yeah, and I want to keep uh, asking the questions. My next one here, is this really about the coronavirus, the pandemic of what's going on, or is it about... A little bit more of that. Is it about player empowerment, a player movement? Some people call it a, a union possible forming. They even put it in that uh, the players did as they were tweeting out a college football players association of sorts. Yeah. What's the bigger story or fear from presidents? The pandemic or the movement? See, to me, it's the pandemic, hands down. Really? Because I get the, the movement's coming. But guess what? If you're a president right now, there is no sense in trying to taper this whole movement off because regardless, the power of social media, the power of self-awareness right now in college football and student-athletes, the movement's going to happen whether you try to shun it out or not. It's going to happen eventually. So to me, it's more about COVID-19 right now and try not to be liable if, if a player, once again, heaven forbid, dies. I do think it's part of it. But I think maybe the last chance against the movement, mm-hmm. whether it's likeness or unionization, mm-hmm. is to say, we're going to take football away from you then. Well, but keep in mind what, what the movement has done. The movement said, we're not going to sign that waiver. We're not going to sign a waiver for COVID-19. You guys are responsible for us. So, like, the, the, the movement is definitely detrimental to presidents everywhere. But I just think no matter what you do, it's coming. So you can't stop it.
Yeah, it's coming in the next year, it looks like, across, well, it. here in the state of Florida and probably across many other states. We're not done asking questions. There, I have a list of them from college football. It's coming up on ESPN 690.